Hello ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to VUX World, the Practical Voice Podcast. Big shout out to Roy Murphy of Synthetics, that's an emerging technology agency focusing on conversational AI. He runs the Bots AI and Voice Meetup in London, which I spoke at last night. We broadcasted it live on LinkedIn and this is my talk from last night. The main concept of this that I was trying to get to, it's it's a bit of a kind of uh, emerging thought really. And I haven't really bottomed it out completely, but the real concept is that the difference between voice, smart speakers and mobile and the difference between skills and apps and all that kind of stuff. The way I see it is that voice technology is this overarching technology that sits across all devices and all surfaces. Voice assistants are a subset of that technology that use voice interfaces to access them. And voice assistants can run on various devices, mobile being one of them. So when we compare voice to mobile, we're actually talking about mobile when we talk about voice so it's a bit confusing. So I, I tried to kind of get it in order and piece it together in this chat to try and see if we can kind of unite our thinking on what voice technology is. And it kind of was all right. You can tell that it's a bit of an emerging thought and it's still kind of a process. But do let me know if you agree or have any comments. Hit me up on LinkedIn. Today we're broadcasting live on LinkedIn at Mobile UX London. We're doing a panel discussion all about voice design and that will be broadcast probably around about half past 1pm UK time. So please do tune in for that. If you haven't joined us on LinkedIn, do so. We've been posting videos every single day, stimulating discussions in the voice community, discussing all kinds of things from challenges to insights to tips and tricks um, and all kinds of interesting stuff. So do that. Now, without further ado, here's my chat from last night at the Bots AI and Voice Meetup in London. So yes, I am uh, Ken Sims. I am the co-founder of the VUX World podcast, the VUX World Studios. So we launched this podcast February last year, something like that. I can't remember how many episodes we've got now, but if you are interested in the practicalities of voice design, development and strategy, there's a ton of material there. Uh, we've had the BBC, uh, Rain Agency, which is a large agency in America. We've had Amazon. We've had uh, Adobe. A whole load of uh, people doing really, really interesting stuff. And it's all there for you to take a look at. So do check it out. Um, today, I wanted to, to... I know we've had some really great talks that have got into some really sort of important details about things. I'm going to kind of zoom out a little bit and just have a look at the voice landscape and, and what's kind of going on. So there's been some people who've been involved in voice for probably... Uh, well, since Amazon Echo, well, there's people that have been involved in it for a hell of a longer time than that, put it that way. It's been, you know, the technology, the core technology has existed for a long time. Uh, the kind of thing that's made it really kind of popular at the moment is like the Echo devices. Who's got an Echo device or a smart speaker of some description? Okay, that's good. That's kind of what's fueling most of it, isn't it? I mean, Alexa or Google Assistant is in most of the headlines. The question that people have is, how do I get people to find my stuff? How do I get people to stick around when they do find my stuff? And how do I make money out of this stuff? Those are kind of like the three sort of challenges. And there was a really good article put on uh, e-consultancy this morning, which I'd urge you to check out. It's, it's given a, um, a really kind of detailed appraisal at, uh, at that kind of notion. Why aren't we seeing more case studies? Why aren't we seeing more success stories? And I want to kind of, the, and the reason for that is because it, we always compare it to mobile. So the benchmark for everything that we see and hear and do as far as these voice assistant platforms 
platform's concerned, is always looking at mobile as the benchmark. And I, th- and I don't think that's the right way to, to think about it. I'm going to explain a little bit about why. So, who remembers 2010? No. <laughs> the year of mobile. Remember the year of mobile? Yeah. yeah? I don't remember it. I'm far too young for that. I was, uh, I was still watching Tom and Jerry and eating jam sandwiches at that point, I think. But, uh, <laughs> but 2010 apparently was the year of mobile. And not only was it the year of mobile, but apparently desktop computers were so last decade in 2010. Who dropped their desktop computer in 2010 never to touch it again? Yeah, one person at the back. Well, you're an innovator, right? That's why. Who still uses either a desktop computer or a laptop computer today for the vast majority of productive stuff that they do? Because desktop computers weren't necessarily last decade. And 2010 wasn't actually the year of mobile. 2011 was the year of mobile. (laughs) Who remembers 2011, the year of mobile? I think I was still playing with Power Rangers at that point. Uh, What about 2014? (laughs) Is that finally going to be the year of mobile, 2014? Surely it must have been the year of mobile, 2014. I mean, the iPhone at that point had been out six years and we're still asking the question, is it now finally time for mobile? And then eventually, in 2015, Ofcom published this, which was kind of like an official statement. Now, the UK, we are a smartphone society. So, get started, basically. That's the kind of notion. And we're kind of seeing that you can draw parallels with that with, with voice assistants. I mean, smart speakers at the moment are, I think in the UK, it's like 21% of households have a smart speaker. These are all fairly like cool, hip, innovative people because most of you have kind of got one. Um, so, but it took smartphones quite a long time to get to the point where we could say, okay, right now it's happening. So if you, if you speak to uh, Nick Schwab, of invoked apps. Does anyone use the kind of ambient sound skills on Alexa? Yeah, yeah pretty cool. Uh, sounds really simple, but the use case is ideal. Uh, Nick Schwab, the creator of uh, invoked apps, whole suite of ambient sounds from like crackling fires to city sounds. He's even got, I said to him, I sent him an idea, I thought I'd come up with a really good idea. Because when my wife was pregnant with our baby, we, we had this fan in the room, right? It was last summer, we had a fan in the room, and it was quite noisy. But because we had it in the room for so long, after the baby was born, and it got to kind of winter time, I couldn't get to sleep because I couldn't, I, the, the fan wasn't sounding. So I sent Nick a, a message, I said, look, if you created a skill that was just ambient sound, but just that played the sound of a fan, that'd be ideal. He said, I've already done that, I've done that six months ago. So, but if you ask Nick Schwab, he'll tell you that 2017 was the year of voice. If you ask the BBC, they launched the BBC Kids Skill last year. I use that all the time when I'm changing the baby and feeding him in his bedroom and stuff like that. Uh, they've got a team of like 100 people working on voice and AI. Uh, they also launched the BBC Radio Skill. They're getting like millions of people using it every single month listening to the BBC Radio on the smart speakers. They'll tell you that 2018 was the year of voice. And if you speak to uh, Jess Williams or Oscar uh, Merry from Aperlo, they've just sold their company to uh, Matchbox, uh, who they've created like the... Uh, animal rescue skill, find my phone skill. Find my phone is the second most used or third most used skill in the world. And they've just sold their company. So they'll tell you that 2019 actually is the year of voice. Point being, we're gonna see this all the time. And the reason why I'm bringing this up now is because you're gonna see this from now in the run up to Christmas, in the build up to the new year, and in January, you're gonna see conversational AI is the, 2020 is the year for conversational AI. It's the year of voice in 2020. Point being, the year of mobile was the year that you started doing it. 
You know, people were making apps in 2007 when the iPhone was launched, and there's some slides later on that show the trajectory of the number of apps that were created and the kind of money that was made during the early years. So the year of voice is whenever you decide to start doing something about it, not necessarily when the headlines give you permission to do so, because if the headlines give you permission to do so, you might already be a little bit late. Um, this is interesting. This is looking at, uh, so at the time, in February 2010, bearing in mind the iPhone had been out for three years, and we kind of used the iPhone as like the benchmark of the start of the smartphone era. That was when it kind of all started. Full touch screen, you know. Uh, Nokia was still by far and away the market leader, with 38% of the market. And even though there might have been signs of Nokia not quite keeping up the pace, I don't know if you can see this down here, but it says, during the year, many wrote all sorts of dribble about Nokia being in trouble. <laughs> and fast forward five, six, seven years, and that's actually what ended up happening, didn't it? So all of these things are only a snapshot in time, and when you think about it holistically, and you think about it in a 10-year time period, it's all kind of relevant. So, so when we see things about, you know, um, we haven't seen any use cases for Alexa that have shown the kind of ROI that you've just displayed, Grant. Uh, it's not necessarily that it doesn't exist. It might be people are a bit keeping the uh, cards close to the chest, or it might be just at this snapshot in time, people are still kind of experimenting. And you might think, well, actually, uh, you know, it's been around for five years. It's been in this country for like three and a half years. Isn't that a little bit of a long time to be experimenting with? But the fact of the matter is, smart speakers aren't phones, and voice isn't smart speakers. So we had mobile phones for decades before 2007. We had mobile phones in our pockets for long before the iPhone was released. We already were kind of attached to them. We already had them in our pockets. They were already part of who we were. We were already using them every single day. Um, smart speakers, we've never had a smart speaker in our home. You could probably use the radio as an example. But with even old mobile phones, the interface was still tapping. And then they got upgraded to a, when technology improved, we got, we got touchscreens. But the interface was still tapping. Fair enough, we've got a swipe to add into the mix, but you're still pretty much doing the same action. We've never really, on a mass scale, you know, there's now millions of people, over 100 million uh, Amazon Echo devices alone in circulation at the moment. We've never really had access to technology in this kind of form that we can actually just speak to before. And so I don't think that it's necessarily fair to compare where the smart speaker or voice assistant market is versus where mobile was in the same time period because I think it's totally different. Um, and, and, voice, and also, smart speakers, mobile phones are like the Swiss army knife, aren't they? You can do absolutely anything on your... This is no exaggeration, I pretty much run, I'm not over there, I pretty much run a lot of my business on a mobile phone. You know, I do all sorts of stuff on it, from video recording now, live broadcasting on LinkedIn, image editing, emails and call scheduling, recording podcasts, I do absolutely all sorts of stuff on it. So it's a Swiss Army knife, there's no way a speaker is gonna replace that, no way. And also, because it's with me all day, every day, and we're so habitually hooked to it because we've been using them for decades, there's no way a smart speaker that sits on a shelf at home where you're not most of the time is ever gonna compete with that either. The smart speaker is there for a specific purpose and a specific reason and there are the use cases that, that are available on smart speakers or that we're exploring on smart speakers are there to serve specific use cases and specific needs and voice isn't smart speakers I think we, we often confuse 
or the general populace or the general market often confuses the term voice assistant and they wed it to smart speakers as if that's the only thing that it is. It's just a piece of software. The only piece of hardware you really need is, is a chip with an internet connection and a microphone and a speaker if you wanted to communicate back audibly. So it, the, the, the concept of a voice assistant is not wedded to the hardware and we'll see that you know you can have voice assistants on a website, you can have voice assistants in an app, you can have voice assistants on your watch, in your ears, you can have it in a ring like Amazon released recently, you can have it in a microwave, you can have it in a clock, you can have a voice assistant absolutely everywhere and we're just starting to see that now, we're just starting to see voice interfaces pop up all over the place and, and there's also a difference between a voice interface and a voice assistant as well which we might not have time to get into but we can do afterwards if you like. Um, so. That's the, the kind of the first kind of point that I wanted to sort of make is to try and distinct to try and make a bit of a distinction in our mind about smart speakers being one thing, mobile phones being another thing, and voice assistants being something completely different that sit over the top of the whole thing. One of the, oh, I'm just going to do this again. One of the most uh, common ways for people to access their voice assistant is where? In a car. In the car, in the kitchen. If you're in the car, you're probably going to be using your phone. If you're in the kitchen, you might use your smart speaker. The kitchen's the second most popular place for people to keep smart speakers behind the living room and uh, just in front of the bedroom. But most activity, most usage of voice assistants happens on mobiles. You know, Siri and Google Assistant are the two most commonly used voice assistants and they're predominantly used on mobiles. So voice is almost like a layer that sits across every device type and it's an interface. It's not necessarily a device as such. Uh, so the, the other question is, okay then, so if we've got smart speaker shipments on one hand, mobile device sales on another hand, the other question is what are people actually using these things for then? So what are the use cases that, that people are, uh, are using these things for? And this was from this year, March 2019, bearing in mind that uh, Amazon Alexa had existed in America for four years at this point, and this is from Bloomberg, an American website. The headline, does Alexa have any hit apps? Most people use the Echo for music. We said the exact same thing about mobile. <laughs> Most consumers use mobile for calls and texts. Of course they do, because it's a phone. Most people use smart speakers for music because it's a speaker. <laughs> you know, it's like we're waiting for a killer app. Brett Kinsella of VoiceBot AI. I don't know, has anyone seen or read VoiceBot AI, the website? Fantastic resource, do check it out. We were at a conference, I hosted uh, voice, All About Voice in Munich last month, and Brett Kinsella, his kind of opening statement was, we're all waiting for a killer app, music is the killer app, it's, it's there, it's already been, people buy smart speakers specifically to listen to music on, and so well, when everyone's kind of saying, oh well, you know, there's no return on investment for Alexa skills, and no one's using it to bank on and all that kind of stuff, they may not be using it to bank on yet, they're using it for music, so what are you doing about that? What are you doing about creating audio content, whether it's interactive audio or just audio? The BBC Kids skill I use all the time with my baby is purely audio, most of the time. The uh, podcasts I listen to, purely audio. Listen to music, largely audio. Flash briefings in the morning, audio. BBC News, audio. It's all content, it's still content that people can serve on these, uh, on these devices, but I'm not seeing a huge amount of people using it for what's that, what, other, what consumers are actually using it for, which is listening to audio. <laughs> so the killer use case for smart speakers is audio. That doesn't mean the killer use case for voice assistants is audio, because a voice assistant can be absolutely anywhere. It just so happens that people access it via a smart speaker, and the most common thing for them to do when they access it via the smart speaker is to listen to music or play some audio content. If you ever, has anyone got a pair of headphones with Alexa in them? 
they're not the, the Echo Buds are not available in this country yet. But <clears throat> there's, there's a pair of um, there's a pair of Bose headphones that have Alexa in them, or even AirPods. Has anyone got AirPods? Yeah. yeah. Do you use Siri on your AirPods often? Sometimes. Sometimes. What I found when I got a pair of AirPods, I only got a pair of AirPods because my other headphones broke, and I was looking for something to do calls on. Right, I do a lot of calls during the day, and it's just handy just to nip out and just have the AirPods on. So I got them, and what I found is because I was experimenting with Siri quite a lot, the kind of things I was asking when I was wearing the AirPods totally different from the kind of things I would ask if I'm at my desk and I've got my phone. Usually at my desk and my phone, the main thing I use is calculations. You know, what, what's a sum that you can do for me? Work out a percentage or something like that. When, I'm, when I've got the AirPods in and I'm walking to and from work or to and from the office or I'm on a call or just after a call or whatever, I'm asking all sorts of questions. It's, what was the borrow score last week? Who borrowed a plane this week? You know, and I've started to kind of experiment with other things. So you find that what you, what you kind of want when you're on the move is immediate answers to questions. You're not really interested in listening to audio as such, although you might do if you want to listen to podcasts or something like that but the use cases open up and the same would be true of if you were in a car if you're in the car the other day um, we were driving to Harry Potter world right and I realized it was one of them things one of the things that, that, that uh, for voice assistance to be used often enough you need to develop habits don't you habits work based on triggers routines and reward so if the trigger is the, the need for information and the routine is to pull your phone out then the, the, you, you may as well already use your phone when you're in situations where you don't have access to or you don't have your hands available then and you get used to using your voice like in the car I've noticed that I've got so used to using my voice in certain situations that I expect it available in the car so I went to ask uh, Alexa who plays Voldemort in Harry Potter while we were driving to uh, Warner Brothers Studios and I realised I didn't have Alexa in my car so it's kind of like as we advance and as the kind of like usage of these voice assistants kind of progress, we start to use them in environments where we didn't before, and the use cases tend to uh, tend to change. This is uh, is an example. This slide is from uh, Charlie Cadbury, uh, CEO of Sate now, and. This was the slide that Charlie presented when I very first met him. I can't remember where it was. It was at a meetup at some point, and this is showing the kind of kind of apps that were available in the App Store and how that changed over time. Now, th I think there's a difference between apps and skills, and I'll come on to that in a moment. And I've already said that we're not going to compare mobile to voice, so this is slightly contradictory, but it is worth looking at. So the very first apps that were created in the App Store were just novelty stuff. It was the fart app. The fart skill, what is the number one skill on Amazon Alexa right now? Just give it away. It's the fart skill. It's the most often used skill because kids just think it's funny to ask Alexa to fart, so she farts, and when she farts, she uses the skill. She opens the skill and, and uses it. I had a slide, uh, the opening talk of the, I think it was one of the last meetups I did, it was Tom Hewitton's meetup uh, of Labworks. The opening slide was an animated GIF of a baby sitting on a whoopee cushion. And I, the, the whole concept of that talk was to say, right, Get out of the mindset of creating novelty gimmicks because we're past this phase now. We're now into this phase, which is productivity. Start creating some useful stuff, right? So the whole concept of that first slide was stop build, building novelty rubbish and start creating useful stuff. I met the guy in the pub after who made the fart skill, and I referenced the fart skill as an example of one of those novelty apps. Turns out it's one of the most used skills in the country. It's the top used skill in America. He's introduced in-skill purchasing where you can pay for premium farts, <laughs> and, and he's making money off it, right? But this is kind of, I think we're kind of here 
now invoice. The novelty stuff is still happening. Kids are still kind of wanting Alexa to fart and it's, it's really funny and, and novel. But we're starting to see some useful stuff as well, right? And, and as you kind of move through that, you're starting to get in into business processes, which uh, Grant mentioned earlier on. And then after that, you start getting into the realms of where you can generate revenue or save costs and whatnot. This is the App Store uh, revenue generated from apps in the App Store over time. Uh, so from July 2008 through to January 2010, apparently, according to Apple, there was almost $3 billion made or generated within apps. So again, the question is, well, why isn't there that amount of money being made in Alexa? Why isn't people spending that amount of money on Alexa? And again, it's because Mobile phones were in our pockets for so long beforehand. And basically, the, the kind of, we've been conditioned over years and years and years and years and years to use a screen and to use a keyboard. Yeah? We were already kind of transacting and banking on desktop computers in uh, 2008. And all we did is we took the computer and we shrank it down and we made it onto a device. We took the exact same keyboard, put it onto the screen so we were familiar with it. We got the same website, we just made it slightly more responsive. In fact, some websites didn't bother making them responsive until after 2008. So we kind of already had familiarity. With voice, <clears throat> this is looking at the number of uh, apps created, total number of apps created in a five-year period after uh, the App Store was, was uh, launched, or just over 450,000 apps. With uh, Alexa skills, it's just shy of 50,000. Now, this year, it's around about 100,000 apps that, that are in the Alexa skills store. So again, the question is, well, why are apps doing so fantastic when Alexa skills are not doing so well? And the answer is because voice isn't about apps and skills aren't the same as apps. A prime example of what a good skill is, it could be absolutely anything, it could be something really, really simple, right? So the Royal Mail have a skill, and all it does is it tells you the last posting date before Christmas. That's all it does. If you've got an auntie that lives in Spain and you want to get a card to her before Christmas, you just ask Alexa to ask the Royal Mail when is the last posting date to Spain and it'll tell you, right? Solves a problem and you don't need to get out your phone. You don't need to try and figure out you know, where to go for that information. You just ask Alexa and it'll tell you. So that is a good example of a skill. It's a good example of a half decent use case. Might not be an incredibly high volume use case, although it's not a terribly small volume one either. But the, the concept of, of apps is, I think, uh, a concept that we kind of need to break away from. You might look at something like the BBC, you know, use the BBC uh, again, who have a, a skill that has lots of stuff you can do there. You can listen to stories, you can play music, you can play games. Uh, that has more of an app kind of feel. But you wouldn't go building an app to do what the Royal Mail did, which is just to give people a little bit of information. And so, uh, and also, uh, voice. It, no, sorry, no, no, I lost my train of thought there. But yeah, essentially, the concept of the app store and apps is different to, I think, skills and the skill store. And also, this is just talking about Alexa, the Alexa platform predominantly. It's not thinking about voice as an interface that can do other things beyond access skills in the Alexa platform. As Grant mentioned, there's the Oracle uh, digital assistant that you can use. You can use IBM Watson. You can use Snips. You can use your product, which is Vox. Voxter, Voxter, Mr. T out, almost there. Um, but there's a whole host of technologies that you can use to create voice applications that help people get stuff done that don't have to be based on the concept of apps and the app store. Uh, and you can put them wherever you want. They don't have to run on smart speakers. They can run in any environment where people are and where people can access them. So I'll wrap up right now because I know I'm, I'm probably taking the piss for time. But... <laughs> The way that I would phrase it, uh, and the way that I would kind of, the reason why Amazon, I think, are creating all these different products uh, is because 
We've already seen the uh, fight for the computer. We've seen the personal computer wars happen. We've seen Windows and Apple and IBM and Dell and all these companies, Hewlett Packard, have all been fighting the, the war to win the computer, right? Then we've seen the war for the internet and Google and YouTube and Amazon and eBay and all of these companies that popped up during that kind of internet bubble. That war's already been fought as well and those companies I've just mentioned pretty much won that. <clears throat> then we've seen the war for mobile you know, Samsung, Apple, Nokia had a good stab, but didn't really stand the test of time. And the war for the tablets, we've seen all this stuff, that's all being played out. It's very difficult, while we're the exception in the Western kind of market as a new entrant relatively, but it's very difficult to break into these markets now because they're so established. The new battleground is the battle for the ears, the car, well, the body, the car, and the home. And again, that's different to mobile because mobile's with you all the time, constantly switched on. These might only be with you for 5% of your day, but when you are in that 5% of your day, you have access to the world's information. And over time, the kind of things that you use your mobile for, you'll be able to do on these virtual assistants. When you're in your car, you're not gonna get your phone out and start tapping and swiping on your phone, or you shouldn't do if you do. Um, but being, again, being connected and being able to have access to be productive, to check what time your meetings are, to tell someone you're gonna be late, all that kind of stuff is possible if you have access to your voices in, in your car. And the home is a really, really uh, interesting market. The, the, the reason why Amazon and Google are fighting so heavily to win the home is that these smart speakers, although they can be entertainment devices, they can be productivity kind of tools, but they are also the hub of the smart home. All of the products that are, that are created um, now, they all have the works with Alexa badge, they all have the works with Google Assistant badge, because these, Amazon and Google, are trying to make themselves the hub of the home and to be the thread that threads together your life in those areas where you don't necessarily have access to your phone. And in Google's case, even in the areas where you do have access to your phone. Uh, and this is, as I mentioned, it's about far more than smart speakers. It's about voice as an interface uh, and yeah, come on, being, being present in all of these areas where you can fit a chip and a mic, essentially. Um, that's a picture of a dog riding a bike, and the reason for that is because the way I'm thinking of Alexa and Google Assistant, and smart speakers in particular, is that those devices are like these training wheels. They're educating people about how to interact with technology using your voice. They're training people to be comfortable talking to their devices. In the same way as we used to feel a bit, a bit uncomfortable taking selfies, now people are just walking around on the phone and talking to the phone in public and they don't really care about it. That's kind of where I think we'll get to with voice. People will be using it more and more in different situations, in different contexts, and the kind of start of it all usually is getting a smart speaker. People's uh, usage of voice increases on their phone after they've got a smart speaker. So Amazon and Google are the training wheels to get people comfortable using their voice to access technology. They might not necessarily be the be all and end all. Fast forward 10 years and maybe Amazon's in the position that Nokia was on that slide and things change and other things happen. Um, but voice as an interface to technology and as an access point to the internet is I think here to stay and it's, not, it's now about finding the appropriate use case in the appropriate context using the appropriate technology to figure out where we can actually make it work properly and there's already examples of where it is working properly, smart speakers for music, uh, business and enterprise kind of apps. Um, so yeah, it's the, the kind of main point that I wanted to get across with this talk is 
not to necessarily pigeonhole voice and put it in the mobile bracket because voice sits across mobile. Smart speakers are one very, very small part of voice and I don't think we should be using the trajectory of mobile to baseline and the trajectory of voice. Uh, and that's pretty much it. And if we do have, if you want to reach out, uh, VUX world, VUX world, all the podcasts and all the usual channels. We're on all the social channels as well, and my email address is uh, is there. If we. Uh, Tom, yeah, uh, questions, anyone? Yeah. Yeah. My, my question is: uh, so, how much does the premium fat cost, and how many people buy it? <laughs> the premium fat uh, costs about 99, cent, 99 pence. Okay. Yeah, and I don't know how many people have actually subscribed to it. I don't know. Uh, but it must. He, he said it was working. Put it that way. Yeah. You ended on a really good note about. Thank you. Amazon and Google. Yes. Being the training wheels. For people like us, they've opened up the market, right? Yes. For the independent speech players. Yeah. Are they going to win the voice wars? I think they're going to win the home, hundred percent. I think any. Samsung, kind of, but you need to have a whole suite of Samsung products to have Bixby thread everything together. Um, I think I think they'll win the home. Um, I'm not convinced necessarily that they'll win uh, Amazon. I don't think will win mobile. I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to not resurface the Fire Phone, but a phone of some description. Now they've got a good footprint. Um, but I think I think Amazon will win the home. Over time, I think Google will win mobile if they can break themselves out of where they are now, which is threading the Google stuff together and trying to do it all themselves a little bit. Um, but I think that the the kind of independence, if you like, like yourself, like uh, not Oracle necessarily, because that's a large company with a huge enterprise footprint, but I'm thinking like Mycroft and uh, Snips and things like that, Houndify possibly, although they're starting to go do some good partnerships. I think with those kind of, with those uh, smaller kind of companies, it's a case of providing the kind of capability that you won't get from Amazon. So for example, you know, Grant mentioned the kind of like privacy and security. Some retailers are not going to want to use Amazon because Amazon's a retailer, so they, they, they will want their own kind of thing. Some kind of smaller, uh, not necessarily smaller, but more specific domain-specific uh, industries may require something that, that you will have to bend Alexa too much to do. I think the consumer level, Alexa and Google Assistant, I think will win that, yeah. Do you not think there's some sort of critical mass? Because I mean, I've added about 10 skills into my Alexa, and I can never remember what yeah. the word is. So I have a piece of paper written down yeah. next to it, which kind of is the floor, it's isn't it? Yeah. You don't have any visual navigation the way with my phone I can just scan. Yeah. We haven't cracked this, how do I know what it does? Now, there will be a point where I suppose it will do everything, mm. but at the moment I don't I don't use, I use it for Sonus and, um, you know, yeah. if you ask when Father Christmas was coming, that's a good one as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But beyond that, I can never remember what it can do. Yeah. There is a cognitive load in trying to get it to do stuff, and that's predominantly because the way that it's set up at the moment is you need to ask Alexa to ask someone to do something. Except so, BBC. yeah, so so they get around it. BBC get around it because uh, they work with Alexa, and some big enterprise clients get around certain things because they work with Alexa. So, uh, for normal people, normally all of the time, you need to know that the brand exists and what they've called the skill. And then you also need to know that the thing you're trying to do exists within that skill. I think those two hurdles are pretty big hurdles to overcome. Unless you've been educated offline, not offline, but away from that environment, typically that's where uh, the discovery kind of happens. So I think there's, there's issues to get around. They've, they've um, released 
although to not, not necessarily to great effect, uh, implicit invocations. And the idea of that is that you can just ask Alexa to do something, not necessarily naming the brand. And if your skill can fulfill that request, then it will put you into that skill at the request. So let's say, for example, you're a bank and one of the things you offer is someone, for someone to check their bank balance. So you could say, Alexa, ask Capital One to check my bank balance, and it'll go straight into the Capital One skill at the checking my bank balance bit. But if you just said, Alexa, check my bank balance, and you have Capital One enabled, and you're already signed in and you use it regularly, then it could just use that. It's kind of in its infancy at the moment. I don't really think Amazon have been properly giving it the support it needs, but that is one of the ways in which you can kind of get around that. Because then you're not thinking about, who do I need to ask to do something you should just be able to ask your assistant who is Alexa to do something and that something needs to be figured out by the assistant that's what they're assistant that's why they're called assistants because they're assistive they figure out based on your context or previous uses what you actually mean put you into the appropriate skill at the appropriate point and fulfill that request so um, at the moment it's a bit limited but yeah. that's the ideal yeah yeah cool. good cool just a big round of applause for Jim and Grant hey. If you enjoyed it, tell me all about it. If you hated it, my name's not Roy. <laughs> uh, there's probably a couple of beers left there, and we are definitely going to go to the pub for a cheap beer if anyone fancies it. Thanks for turning up. Thanks, Roy. Thank you.